Hi, this is Diana Peterson, and I want to thank you for joining me on Stay Tuned. This week, we are learning a little bit more about the men behind Barney Fife and Floyd the Barber. We discussed nods in our last episode, and today we are getting to know McNear a little bit better. With all the research I've done, I've discovered a lot of nice folks in the entertainment industry, as well as a few not-so-nice people, but I've never read about anyone more like than Howard McNear. Everyone went out of their way to say what a kind and caring man he was, and I call this episode, Oh, He Was a Nice, Nice Man, The Career of Howard McNear. McNear was born in Los Angeles in 1905. He studied at the Oatman School of Theater and then joined a stock company in San Diego. During World War II, he enlisted as a private in the U.S. Army Air Corps. He went on to a career in radio, films, and television. In the mid-1960s, he had a stroke and died from complications of pneumonia in 1969. Harley Barr, a lifelong friend, delivered his eulogy. He was buried in Los Angeles, completing his California life cycle. Howard began working in the radio industry in the 1930s. He was featured in many radio shows, including The Adventures of Bill Lance, a detective drama starring John McIntyre as Lance. McNear played the part of Ulysses Higgins, a friend and assistant. He also filled the role of Clint Barlow and Speed Gibson of the International Secret Police. Some of the other shows he often appeared on included Suspense, Lux Radio Theater, Escape, CBS Radio Workshop, Family Theater, Let George Do It, The Adventures of Maisie, Fort Laramie, Wild Bill Hickok, and Richard Diamond, Private Eye. He and Parley Bear were part of the cast of The Count of Monte Cristo, a drama. He continued to work often with Bear, and they both voiced characters frequently on Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. He played congressmen, hotel managers, French detectives, and occasionally the villain. He was still working with Bear when they both created their most famous radio characters, Bear as Chester and McNear as Doc Charles Adams in Gunsmoke, which was on the air from 52 to 56. They would meet up again later in life when Bear became Mayberry's mayor. McNear made his film debut in the 1951 sci-fi film The Day the Earth Stood Still. He followed that up with Escape from Fort Bravo. In 1959, he played Dr. Don Pierre in Otto Preminger's Anatomy of a Murder. Some of his most famous films were Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea and two Elvis flicks, Blue Hawaii and Follow That Dream. He was also featured in three Billy Wilder comedies, Irma La Douce, Kiss Me Stupid, and The Fortune Cookie. Overall, he appeared in more than 100 films and television shows. He transitioned into television in the 1950s, appearing in The Jack Benny Show and The Burns and Allen Show. He also appeared in comedies such as I Love Lucy, Private Secretary, December Bride, The Donna Reed Show, Bachelor Father, and The Adventures of Ozzie and Harriet. He showed up in dramas like The Thin Man, Playhouse 90, Richard Diamond, The Twilight Zone, The Zangre Show, Maverick, and Alfred Hitchcock. Ironically, he had a role as a barber in Leave it to Beaver. Although McNear had a long career on radio and in films, he will forever be remembered for his memorable and scene-stealing portrayal of chatty and naive Floyd the Barber in the long-running The Andy Griffith Show. Don Knotts once said that playing Floyd wasn't much of a stretch for McNear, as his real personality was pretty much like Floyd to begin with. The first episode of The Andy Griffith Show to feature Floyd did not star McNear. Walter Baldwin was Floyd Lawson. After that episode, McNear took over and made the role his own. On his first appearance, he was Floyd Colby, but the next time his name was mentioned, it had become Floyd Lawson. Floyd's shop was where the Mayberry men gathered to gossip and play checkers, and they occasionally got haircuts. 
We usually see Floyd wearing his well-groomed mustache, thick glasses, and his white barber coat. We learned several things about Floyd during the course of the show. He is a widower. His wife was named Melva, and they had two children, a son and a daughter. His son Norman plays the saxophone and loves baseball. When he retired, he moved in with his daughter and her family. Floyd had a niece in town named Virginia Lee, who entered the Miss Mayberry pageant. He was also Warren Ferguson's uncle. Ferguson would replace Barney as deputy when he moved from Mayberry to the big city. Floyd often, incorrectly, attributed famous quotes to Calvin Coolidge. Floyd had a dog named Sam and raised pansies. He typically drank coffee but enjoyed a nectarine crush or a huckleberry smash soda now and then, and he thought Wally had the best pop in town. Floyd also liked to write. He wrote the song for the Miss Mayberry pageant, Hail to the Miss Mayberry. He even tried to write a novel but suffered from writer's block and could never get beyond what he viewed as his brilliant sentence, The sun is dropping lazily down behind the purple hills and the western skies. In the middle of the show's run, McNear suffered a debilitating stroke, leaving half his body paralyzed. He took some time off to recover. Andy asked him to come back, and the production crew went to great lengths to make things comfortable for him. Although he could not walk or stand, he was seen sitting outside on a bench. There was a special platform built so he could cut hair, looking like he was standing while sitting. Often, he holds a prop with his left hand, using his right hand as he spoke his lines. In 1967, he left the series for good when he could not remember those lines. My two favorite Floyd episodes were Floyd the Gay Deceiver and Convicts at Large. In Floyd the Gay Deceiver, Floyd has been corresponding with a wealthy pen pal, a widow. She wants to visit Mayberry, which stresses him out. He wants to meet her, but he has painted himself as a wealthy man. And he helps him maintain the ruse by using the mansion of a man who is out of town. Eventually, however, Floyd realizes that the widow is not the wealthy woman she made herself out to be either. In Convicts at Large, the normally excitable Floyd displays a calm demeanor after he and Barney are taken hostage by three escapees from the woman's prison, Big Maud, Naomi, and Sally. When they go to town to buy food, Andy realizes that there is something fishy going on and recaptures the women. The cast members who worked with McNear can best describe the type of man he was. In Richard Kelly's book, The Andy Griffith Show, Andy Griffith, Jack Dodson, and Richard Link shared their memories of Howard McNear. It seems fitting to let them have the last word about this likable guy. According to Andy Griffith, Howard, first of all, was a leading man in the San Diego theater years ago. He never was in New York in his life. He developed his comic character, I believe, on the Jack Benny show. Howard was a nervous man, and he became the man Floyd. Then Howard had a stroke and was bad off for a long time. He was out of our show for about a year and three quarters. We did a lot of soft shows, that is, those that were not hard on comedy, stories about the boy or the aunt, but we needed comedy scenes to break up things. We were working on a script one day, and Aaron Rubin said, boy, do I wish we had Howard. And one of us said, why don't we just see if we can get him? So right then, we called up Howard's house and got his wife, Helen, and she said that would be a godsend. While we wrote him a little scene, he was paralyzed down his left side, and we couldn't show him walking. We had him sitting, and we built a stand that supported him. He could then stand behind the barber chair and use one hand. Most of the time, however, we had him sitting. His mind was not affected at all. He was with us about two years after that before he died. Finally, poor Howard died. I'm sorry, because there was never anyone else like him. Kind, kind man. And according to Jack Dodson, 
Unfortunately, I didn't know Howard before his stroke. Even after his stroke, he was just a wonderful human being and a splendid actor. Sadly, it was during the playing of a scene with Howard that we realized he couldn't go on anymore. It was a segment where I wanted to raise the run of the barbershop. The characters had a great falling out, and then at the end of the show, they were brought back together in the courthouse. Howard had a little difficulty with that segment. We had to change our shooting schedules a little so his days were not quite so long as they had been. And then, finally, we had a very simple scene of reconciliation. He couldn't remember it. He went over it and over it, frustrated with himself. Seeing his despair and anxiety was the most painful experience I've ever had. And then he just didn't come back after that. And to end from Richard Link, we went to the funeral, and I have to say that it was the only funeral I've ever been to where laughs succeeded tears. There were a couple of people who knew him well. They spoke in the form of eulogy. I guess you could call it that. Oh, but it was funny. They related Howard McNear stories from the pulpit. It was something else. Really, it made a nice thing. I think Hal Smith, who played Otis, got up there. It was something else, those stories, and yet it was done with dignity. Oh, he was a nice man. He was a nice man.